It's time for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teols. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com, past episodes, search out people you want to find out, games you want to find out. It's all there on Pinball Profile. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pinball Profile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. And please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. He's been on before, but it's time to catch up with Kiefer. Keith Johnson from Jersey Jack Pinball. Hey, Keith, how are you? I am doing pretty well, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. Everything okay COVID-wise? I mean, it's uh, obviously not where we wanted to be in 2020, but, you know, you make do. Yeah, the whole thing's been wacky, and, you know, certainly I've just been down here in my basement working away, so things have been progressing, but it's, it's strange just being down here all the time. See, now I think of a guy like you who makes these great, amazing, deep rule sets, and I'm thinking, listen, nobody wants COVID around, but... If you're going to take advantage of what's in front of you, this has got to be great for you because it gives you, I would assume, more time, less distractions maybe, to go deep into whether it's the latest update coming on Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever's next for Jersey Jack Pinball. Yeah, we've uh, we've been trying to split our time up into you know getting the the next thing going and working on some additional stuff and and some of the stuff you know people know about already like the uh the beta tests we're running for downloading uh updates onto your game so we, we've got a lot of stuff on our plate it's nice to just be able to hammer stuff out but you definitely miss the interaction of playing with each other and you know bouncing things off each other as you're flipping the ball around and that kind of thing are you able to have the machines you're working on, past or present or future, at your home, and whether it's Zoom meetings or some sort of interaction with some of your colleagues, whether it's Joe Katz or Eric or Pat or whomever? Yeah, of course we do that. You know, we do phone calls, we do the Zoom thing or Google Meet thing or whatever. Yeah, obviously we can get, we can we can interact and, and we, we have a messenger that we use all the time, Telegram, you know, that we're constantly on and talking with people about stuff, but you're not there like just commenting on the game as you're playing it. And that's the thing that, uh, that we really miss the most, I think. So when a game comes out, whether it's a past game, whether it's one you're working on and you talk about being there and talking about what's happening in the game, what kind of details are we getting into? Is it light show? Is it, you know, this shot, the angle, is it stackability? Bring me into one of these conversations. All right. So in general, you're not going to be when you're at that point playing the game, you're not going to be doing much to the geometry of the play field or, you know, probably not too much to the art of the play field or anything like that. But, you know, you've got a, a base basic framework of rules in there. You're seeing how they feel. Um, you'll be evolving ideas and modes and that kind of thing. So, and, and the biggest thing I think is you're playing, it's like, oh, would it be cool if it did this, if you, if you did these other things? And that's the, the main kind of thing that, you know, you, like you're just playing and you talk to each other and either someone will get, it'll inspire someone else to do something or, you know, someone like, oh, I could work on that or, you know, I could make that change. That, that sounds like a good idea. You know, like I'm sitting there playing something Joe wrote and, you know, tell him it's, uh, you know, maybe you could add this and it'd be a little bit more fun. And he'll ponder it for a while and go back and do it and or some version of it. And we'll play it again. It's like, yeah, that's really good now. You know, a lot of 
Like, I feel like Wonka in particular benefited from a lot of us just sitting there playing the game and bouncing stuff off of each other in terms of, you know, what if we did this? What if we did that? You know, that kind of thing. Is the glass off so when something happens, you stop? Oh, quick stop. Let me, let me just make a point here. Usually not. Now, when you're, when you're writing stuff and first testing things out, you know, and you have the game next to your desk or whatever, yeah, you're not going to have a glass on it as you throw the ball around. You know, you'll flip it, they'll use your hand and make sure things are doing what you expect. But when we have the game in the more public area, the glass is on and we're playing it as it's meant to be played and just seeing how far we get and seeing, make sure everything's doing what it's supposed to and that kind of thing. Now, when somebody has the balls to dare suggest something to one of your games, what is your reaction, Keith? So my initial reaction is to tell them why their idea is stupid, you know, <laughs> or in, in rare cases, I will sit there and think about it. I was like, oh, yeah, OK, you got a point there. I joke about that a lot. It's it's not that bad, but everyone's got ideas and, and you should listen to everyone while you're designing because no one knows everything about everything that's fun and that kind of thing. That being said, you know, there are usually very specific reasons, even if it's unobvious of why I do things the way I do things. So, you know, like maybe a plan I have in the future, like that, you know, a mode's going to affect something and that's why it's doing that now. Or, you know, just from experience, I know that the way something has worked before isn't going to work the way they're suggesting because I played it and it wasn't fun. You know, I mean, I can't even imagine how many different games and different modes and all that kind of thing that I've played over the years. And when you've played as much pinball as I have and as others have, you have a pretty good idea of, you can tell in your head that like that idea is not going to be any fun because I played something similar in this game and I hated it. Now, Maybe I can take that thing that I hated and tweak it into something that's actually good. Now, I'm sure I've done that over the years, but you know, there's a lot of things that just miss and you don't want to repeat those mistakes. Experience does go a long way. And I think you are such a great historian too. Before we get back to the code, it really goes back to following you, whether it be on Twitter as Pinball Kiefer or even the forums. Tilt forums, obviously. I know you dabble once in a while, or at least keep an eye on Pinside. Even going back to RPG, you have been very prominent on forums for a long time, and that's got to be great feedback for you. Yeah, definitely. So I started on Rec Night Games at Pinball back in September 1992. I was actually reading it before that, but in September of 1992 is when I first got posting access. And uh, yeah, life was never the same after talking with other pinball enthusiasts online. We got into it heavy and deep, and that's where I first learned about the Papa Tournament in New York City. And so Kevin Martin and I drove up there to take part in that. It was uh, it was quite an eye-opening experience, you know, and meeting everyone for the first time that you've e-known for however long and just taking part in a pinball competition. Crazy. It's, uh, obviously, things have changed, you know, a lot since then but but back in the day you know making a trip from blacksburg virginia to new york city like 12 hours or whatever it was you know maybe a little less than that it's just nuts to think that we did that and went up there and you know went on to shape well really both our careers 
because Kevin, Kevin worked at Data East for a while there, and then eventually I went to Williams and Stern and now JJP. So it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing just, you know, one little choice you make, you know, on an innocent college day and just, you know, just changes the trajectory of your whole life, you know, from everything after that. You're blessed if your career is something that you're passionate about and that you don't really perceive it as work as, you know, I'm punching the clock. I hate doing what I'm doing. When you love what you're doing and you really get rewarded by the end result, there are great benefits. So back to this COVID-19 isolation, I'm watching guys like Carl D'Angelo and just obsess over games and, you know, waste his time with stupid things like Big Buck Hunter. What the hell was he thinking there? (laughs) But enjoying things like him completing the wizard mode on the Simpsons pinball party or him tackling Pirates of the Caribbean, two of your amazing games, and you have a long list of them too. You know, we haven't even included World Poker Tour, Lord of the Rings, Wizard of Oz, but watching Carl on these games just makes me appreciate how deep these codes are that you do, especially right now when you really can't get out and about and you can tackle all of these games different ways. There's not really one path to do that, especially with Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, so... The thing about Carl is he he's obviously dedicated and loves the games he plays you know, for the most part, or at least he has a goal or whatever. But he really does a great job of making what we do look good. <laughs> if you if you get what I'm saying, <laughs> right? It's like we spend all this time, and you know, oh, are people going to get there? Are people not going to get there? Or you know, will people get everything that we're trying to get them to do in the game? Like Pirates has a ton of rules and subtlety to it. And most people don't necessarily know or care about everything that's that's going on in it. But, you know, there's there's a lot to do in it and a lot to figure out if you take the time to peel the onion, as it were. Yeah, when he can showcase everything that's there, and there's a lot that's there. Before I called you, I gave Carl a quick shout-out to say, all right, let's get deep into Pirates. I don't own that game. And I've only played it a handful of times and instantly, by the way, loved it. Even the action button, huh? <laughs> Even with your stupid action button. Oh, don't worry. All right, let's get into it right now. Let's talk a little Marty, shall we? Yeah. Okay. First of all, you know I'm going to give you a hard time about the gold button during the Marty. It's a beta version, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Okay. We talk about you being a pinball historian. What made you obsessed with the bashing of that button? <laughs> Well, if I'm honest, it was really Joe who took the Marty thing to a new level. Joe Katz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that who's under the bus right now? Joe Katz? <laughs> no, the whole the idea was definitely initially mine. Because I play other games too, you know, I'll play web browser type games or I'll play, you know, PS4 type games or whatever. And, you know, a lot of games you play nowadays, if you do something, they drop stuff and you have to go collect it, like either mouse over it or go run after it and it's a balance between collecting stuff before it goes away and not getting the reward right so it's just an, it's another generic gameplay element that you can add to any game so you don't have to get the gold ever i mean you probably won't get to tortuga if you don't ever go after the gold but you don't have to play tortuga ever to necessarily you know win the game as it were so I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, back when games started making you take the hand off the flipper button, 
was, was High Speed 2, the first one maybe, where you had to shift gears. Sure. There were a couple games back in that era which were doing it, uh, High Speed and Lethal Weapon in particular. Oh, yeah, Lethal Weapon for sure on those orbits. Yeah, because you had to uh, shoot the bad guy. And, and if you really wanted to, if you wanted to get a, a lot more points, you'd wait until his eyes started blinking before you started shooting them. So, you know, even that has its own risk-reward. It's like, do I just shoot the guy right away when I flip the ball away? Or do I try and get control of the ball and wait for a couple seconds? He's flashing. Okay, now I can pummel him and get way more points than I would have if I hadn't waited. Okay, on that lethal weapon, yep. and even yep. the high speed too with the shifting gears, shifting gears isn't a hurry up. True. But you're, you'll waste a lot of shots if you don't do it either. Okay. I mean, I will admit there are, there are very specific circumstances where you would actually not want to shift gears. And, and so there's a very teeny amount of strategy as to whether you want to do that or not. That's mostly if you have uh, the mystery warp lit and you can make that, that tunnel shot pretty easily. Like if you have mystery lit already, then you want to take that tunnel shot and then shift gears in order to relight it again. Especially if you're in tournament mode and every... Every fifth mystery ward is giving you multi-ball for free. Okay, all right, I'll give it to you. little hurry-up stuff there, so yes, there's some risk there. The difference yeah, yeah, yeah. is the location. Sure. It's right beside your right hand. Whereas, I know it doesn't seem like a lot. It's what, a foot long, maybe, from the right flipper? You can even do it other ways, too, right? You can use your knee. and <laughs> Your chin, your belly, your... Right, yeah, there's lots of things. A trained do. boob, anything. <laughs> I mean, normally you're going to make a shot and then reach over and slap that thing down and, you know, put your hand back on a button. I, gr- I grant you that. It's just, you know, it was an experiment. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because, listen, when you have that many characters, you need an extra button. You need something else to do. Yeah, I mean, it was an idea that I conceived about, you know, very early when we started doing it. You know, which is why I was a little uh, perturbed to see uh, Star Wars come out with it before we did. <laughs> yeah, but they got all the flack. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. They might have on this show. <laughs> Bruce Nightingale may have done a video about it. Yeah, right. I, you know, I just I knew I knew I wanted that element of trying to collect stuff, you know, before it went away. And you know, there's a whole lot of psychological stuff that we do, you know, in order to make it really stressful and make you really want to do it, and therefore put the ball in peril. Because, you know, you've got to take your hand off the button in order to sit there and collect it. So, you know, because, you know, we'll, we'll, if you hit the loop enough times and then the targets, you'll spot a bunch of gold and you'll see all these expensive, you know, chests and piles of coins on there and stuff like that. But, but those are the last things you pick up as you're hitting a button that always does all the low value stuff first. So... So you really got to commit to hitting that button and getting your full payout in order to uh, really take advantage of it. Whether it's Liar's Dice, whether it's another character, another mode, the multi-balls, I have to imagine a game that deep. The most difficult thing is not maybe coming up with the modes, it's balancing them. Yeah, we definitely went through several rounds of balancing the game. We... uh so we started off, you know, when you first when you first working on stuff, you just assign scores to things that you think are going to be okay, and it's like, okay, well, we want the a good score to be a million or whatever. So we think mode shots should be worth around this much, and jackpots and super jackpots should be around this much. And then you sit there and you play the game, and it's like, well, 
clearly multiballs are undervalued compared to what you can get during mode, so we got to bump those up a bit. And then, uh, like, I, I don't think the mode values really changed once they got put in there. Everything was kind of adjusted to conform to what the modes are giving you. I know at one point we just flat out doubled the value of every multiball jackpot, super jackpot, in order to make it more interesting. You want multiballs to be more than the modes? And I say that because I think of dialed in where the modes to me are more important. It just depends on what you're trying to do. I mean, for any game, you know, you want... So there's a couple things. There's there's risk and reward, right? So, and then there's the amount of work it takes for you to do something and then get paid off on it. Now, the trend for a long time to be, no matter how much work you spent into getting to the multiball, when you started the multiball, things weren't really worth that much because, hey, you're in multiball and, you know, there's no peril. You're not going to drain your ball. So we're only going to give you, uh, you know, some piddly points here. And even if you get to the end of the multiball, you get the super jackpot or whatever, it's still not worth that much. And, you know, a lot of that's still true today from games that are coming out, I feel like. But the point is you've made you made a lot of shots to get to that point, so they should be worth something, right? They should be, if you made all this work to get to where you're going, they should still be worth something. So, yeah, you don't you don't want them to, to be trivial where you don't care about it, but you don't want it to be overpowering either. It's like, Okay, so the good player could get there and hold two balls on one flipper and just pick off shots with the other flipper. You don't want to be there and, you know, just have them be able to exploit a multi-ball, you know, compared to what a casual would do. So it's a, it's a very fine line between getting things to score, things that seem reasonable and worth going for, and the current risk that's involved. Like I said, there's no risk during multi-ball, but there was probably a fair amount of risk before you're in multiball trying to get it and start it and light it. Okay. I think you once said there will not be another release of Pirates of the Caribbean until the final wizard mode is in the game. Yep. So I have to ask you, I know you're probably working on the next game. Is your time divided between the next one and this one? I've started the mode. I've, I've been working on it on and off. But right now, all of my time is spent on the next game and other stuff that we as a company have priorities to do, you know, that, that obviously we can't talk about. But Well, I did see the teaser video of innovation coming, so that has been floated out there. I assume that's probably what you're hinting at. Yeah, well, right. We're always trying to make our stuff better. We're always trying to make it do more. We're always trying to add more value to our games. So that's the kind of work that I'm involved with, if it's even if it's not specifically, you know, getting that one release done. But as partial as a partial bonus to the people that signed up for the beta, as you alluded to, there is a version floating out there that has some improvements and some character changes and that kind of thing on pirates, just so people know, yeah, we are working on it and we have made progress. See, uh, here's some stuff, uh, even if the final mode's on the game yet. I mean, I don't know why people are so worried that we're never going to finish the game or whatever because because I don't I don't know that I don't know what in JJP's history has made people think that I agree with you and I also really appreciate something that Jersey Jack has always prided themselves on is that communication with the customers and it's a good reassurance when you're buying an expensive product like a pinball machine to know that you're going to have that support JJP's support system is fantastic. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I mean, 
you know, we've gotten some new people recently and they're, you know, they were fighting to get through backlog of stuff and which I think they're caught up now and they're providing top notch solutions to uh, people that need help for whatever reason. Well, not all hires are great. I mean, you did bring on Ken Cromwell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Ken. Obviously, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I've met Ken a few times, uh, but he's been he's been really good to have aboard so far. So once once all this craziness gets past us, it'll be nice to be in an office with him and talk about things more regularly and that kind of thing. Let's go back to Pirates for a second here. One of the things Carl and I were talking about was, again, Liar's Dice. And Carl and I were struggling to try to think of a Keith Johnson game that closely resembled a video mode. And not that Liar's Dice is a video mode, but it's kind of close. I mean, you're looking at the screen. I can't think of one. Right. So some people know and some people won't. I was uh, the video mode in Elvis was entirely my idea. You know, I pitched it and everyone went for it. And you can argue as to whether it's any good or not. But so that game, you got the arrows going by like uh, Dance Dance Revolution. It, I originally wanted it to be literally called Flip Flip Revolution. But the lawyers axed it, so <laughs> Too close. Uh, Steve came up with a name, Flip Flip Dance Dance, which I was just like, okay, I don't get it, but, you know, whatever. And then, you know, years later, obviously, I found out about that place in Seattle or whatever, which I assume it was a in- Flip Flip Ding Ding? Yeah, which I, I assume is a reference to that, but, you know, I don't know for sure. I, I've never asked him about it since I found out about Flip Flip Ding Ding, but that's my assumption as to what he was referring to. So how come we haven't seen any since? Is it just not your thing? So doing a video mode on a dot matrix display, you have very low expectations for what you're going to get presented on that thing. So you can get away with some pretty crappy late 70s era ideas that that on a dot matrix screen are like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. You know, I'm, I'm racing a car or I'm doing whatever. I mean... Obviously, the game with the best video modes was Indiana Jones. I mean, those were all three of them. And, you know, choose wisely is whatever, but the other two were just amazing. Fishtails is pretty good. Yeah, Fishtails isn't bad. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the the other two in, in Indy are better. But So there's been some good things, and they're all very simple. And like I said, you're just looking at three-shaded color graphics, so... You know, you don't have high expectations of what they should look like or what they should be. I thought with, first of all, JJP's great LCD screens that they introduced, and now it's the norm for pinball. I thought, especially with something like Wizard of Oz, where all those assets were there and great voice talent, too. I thought maybe that might have had an option for a video mode. But what would you have done, though? You're asking the wrong guy. But see, that's the question that I asked all the time. I mean, everyone kept asking me, oh, are we going to get a video mode with the screen? I'm like... What's the video mode in Wizard of Oz? I mean, are you on a broom and you're flying through a canyon? I mean, are you sweeping something up? You know, I, I don't have an idea as to what the mode would be in Wizard of Oz. Okay, I got one. Dodging flying monkeys. I guess. I mean... Having a house not land on the witch. I don't know. I'm making <laughs> stuff up. You, do, I wasn't expecting... This, I do the questions around here. All right, Keith, what is this? All right? <laughs> That's right. Turn the interview process on its head. How dare you? <laughs> I, I'm reminded, though, I, I did have another attempted video mode that I, I kind of forgot about because it's not a video mode now. But Chicken Fight and Family Guy was originally a video mode. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so you could you could kind of see that in the way that you know they hit each other and there's 
bars going down and stuff like that. I tried it, you know, it had some depth to it in terms of when you could hit and when you could block and, you know, when you could, you know, hit back and forth and that kind of thing. Something better than Game of Thrones, the stab, and something maybe more along the fighting scene in uh, Lethal Weapon 3? Well, no, it was, I I guess it was somewhere between there for sure. Yeah, I'd like to think it'd be better than both of those. So, like, you you could hit, you know, left to throw, you know, a left hit and a right to throw a right hit and both to throw the uppercut or whatever it was. And, you know, you could time it based on what the chicken was doing or you could try and block them and that kind of thing. But no one really got it. They were just flailing the flippers and didn't know what to do and no one was being successful at it. And it just got turned into basically a regular mode and so to what it is now. So the chicken beats up on you over time and that's how you eventually lose if you don't do anything. But otherwise, the the shot that you hit determines how much damage you do to the chicken. Is it also really hard to code something like that? And you have to ask yourself, is this worth the time to invest in something like it? You know, it's, again, with the dot matrix display, you can get away with, uh, to be blunt, you know, a kind of half-ass effort in a mode or something like that. I didn't have to have Mark do that much stuff, Mark Galvez. Uh, I didn't have to have him do that much stuff to get that mode working the way I thought that it should work. But now that we're in the era of uh, 1080p displays and stuff like that, it's like your expectation with how something should look and feel and play is way, way higher than than what you would get from a dot matrix game. So now there's probably ways to pull it off, you know, something obviously looking more retro or something like that. You know, like, you know, you say Deadpool had that, uh, that, you know, pixel graphic looking thing, you know, they had going on there. There's ways to do that kind of thing, but there's a lot of work, you know, to get all that stuff working on display. And we're trying to get games done. And the important stuff is everything that's on the play field and the pinball part. If you want to play pinball, and I've said this before, if you want to play a video game, go play your PS4, go play Big Buck Hunter or whatever. I mean, Liar's Dice. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. I mean, Fire's Dice, you can't even normally qualify it until you've done the Pirate Lanes a bunch of times. And then it finally gets added to the rotation where you can start playing it. And the whole point is you don't want a casual player to accidentally be able to get that and have no idea what they're doing and get presented with a wall of text. It's, it's put out the way that it is in order for it to be mostly a good player thing who knows to look up the display and figure out what to do during that mode. I mentioned the LCD screens, which obviously Jersey Jack brought into pinball. Everyone's doing it now. Innovation has always been a big thing for Jersey Jack. I'm always amazed to see what is next, and we've already been given a teaser. There will be something next. But will you, let's just put in air quotes, borrow from somebody else that might evolve your games. And I say that because others have borrowed the LCD screen. That's something that we saw with Jersey Jack. We see it everywhere else. What about something that we've seen with Spooky and also now with Stern, the co-op mode? Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. I've 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 talked with Scott Denisi about co-op mode and stuff like that uh at least a couple of times now. And um there's uh it's definitely not a bad idea and and I've I think I've come to the conclusion that I committed to putting it in. Putting it in the new one or putting it in the new, the new update for Pirates? 
of putting it in our system at some point. So I don't know when we'll get to it, but it will probably happen. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give people the ability, but, but I'm guessing that for, and most of the time, it probably won't be something that you can do right away so that you don't, uh, like we don't want, we don't want to encourage people just to, to play it and get to the end of the game right away and then be, you know, it's like, oh, I've already seen everything in the game. I, I need to get rid of it or whatever. Like that part, that part's not good for anybody. So might be one of those things that we, uh, time release, you know, at a later date and that kind of thing. And, and there is precedence for that. You know, if you go back to Time Shock, the video pinball game, they actually have a mode in there like that, where you share progress between all the players. So, so as far as I'm concerned, that is the, the genesis of co-op mode. Although, uh, to be fair, in, in Time Shock, they actually called it, uh, Cutthroat or something like that. Because whereas you shared progress between all the players, everyone's score was individual. So if someone left multiball lit, then the next player comes up and collects multiball and gets all the points for multiball. You know, we, we would probably do something where we offer you both those styles of play. You know, one score for four people or, or individual scores. It's funny you bring up Time Shock and video games and games of the past. I talked about you being a great historian. When I was talking to Carl, he mentioned a time that he saw you kind of fascinated back at the old Papa facility with the Gottlieb game Counterforce. <laughs> sure enough. You look at Battle for the Kraken Wizard mode and kind of takes that concept from that game. You must get inspiration from older games. Oh, yeah. I mean, Counterforce is a really interesting game if you sit there and, and figure it out. Like, you walk up to that thing, I don't know if you really have a prayer of figuring out exactly how it's going to work or, you know, but if you're if you're interested in it and you're dedicated to it, you're like, you play this thing like 10 times in a row, you're like, okay, I get how this thing's working now. But you're right. There, there is definitely uh, a similarity. You know, I, I don't even know necessarily that, that I was thinking of counterforce, but the concept of running, running out of time is certainly not a new one. And it made sense, you know, for it being a kraken. It's like, you know, oh, he's going to get all his tentacles up and he's going to suck the ship down or whatever. It made sense that that was the, that was the thing that, you know, would do you in if you took too long. Everyone should play Counterforce next time, you know, Papa has a thing, because that game is great. I don't know if I've played it. I'm dying to now. It's basically a game. you got a line of drop targets, and your goal is to kill the invaders coming down to you as fast as you can. Every time you kill an invader or do some other stuff, your bonus goes up, and you have so-called bases that are basically your bonus multipliers. So you have to shoot all the shots to light up your bonus eggs, but... Any invader that gets to the bottom will take out one of your bases and your bonus X uh, when they get there. So it's a it's a battle of keeping your bonus X like this bonus is huge on that game. So it's it's a matter of keeping bonus up and your bonus X up and killing the guys before they hit you know your your things at the bottom. And there's an additional time thing where if you kill everyone fast enough, then you get some additional award based on how quickly you did. Like if you kill if you kill all the attackers when they're in the first row or whatever, the first row of lights, then you light special. And if you do it by the time they're all in the second row still, you light extra ball. 
There's a couple other awards, and then if you get to the bottom, it just, okay, you save your base. <laughs> but uh, it's a really interesting game for a Gottlieb of that era. Again, we're still in certain phases, depending on what state or province or country you're in, with COVID-19. There's a new JJP facility in Elk Grove Village. Uh, interesting area, but uh, <laughs> have you been to the new facility yet? Yes, I was there last week for the first, well, I'd been in the building before uh, the COVID shutdown started, but we've been, you know, since like construction work and stuff like that is okay if there's not too many people and they're not close together or whatever. So we've had various contractors come in and work on the building and uh, it's very, very nearly done. And, you know, so when Illinois releases its lockdown, um, we'll be able to go in there and uh, start taking care of business in the new place. What does the new facility bring compared to what you've been working in before? So obviously before our factory was in New Jersey and all of uh, design and engineering was in Chicago. So the new place will unite both the factory and engineering in the same building, which is basically what every other uh, pinball company has. And we'll be able to be more intimate with uh, the manufacturing process and catching things before, you know, while they happen and taking care of them, whether it's from an engineering perspective or a manufacturing perspective or whatever it needs to be. And uh, hopefully also have some tighter QC on product as it's uh, going out the door with uh, more eyes and more people just, you know, wandering around when they get a chance and taking a look at things and speaking up if something doesn't look right and that kind of thing. Sounds good. Yeah, hopefully that happens soon, but everyone has to really be conscious of being healthy right now. And you especially, too. It's uh, been a little over a year since you had that heart attack in February 2019. That would, I assume, put you in a major risk factor for COVID-19. Yeah, so right, I have two things going against me, uh, heart disease and um, and I've been type 1 diabetic since uh, I was 15, which is over 30 years ago. So, I mean, I feel good now. I don't have anything to complain about. But in theory, yeah, I've got two strikes against me as far as, you know, COVID being extra bad for me or whatever. But I'm sure there will be great precautions when you get back to it and the new JJP facility. And uh, I got to admit, looking forward to the next game. There's a lot of rumors out there. I don't like to ask on this show, and I won't ask. But uh, from what I've heard, if even half of it's true, pretty excited. Well, yeah, I've, I want to, and I've said this before too, but I want to give people, and, you know, it's it's hard, but every game that you do, you don't want it to be exactly the same or largely the same as something you've done in the past. At least I don't. Like, I want every game to be a more or less unique experience as much as I can. Now, I've, I've said, partially joking, partially not, that, that Wizard of Oz is really Lord of the Rings 2.0 because the rules in general have the same kind of flow that, that Lord of the Rings had. And then we went in a completely different direction you know, whether people liked it or not for The Hobbit, but you don't, you don't want to do exactly the same thing again. You want to give people a new, a new way of doing stuff or a new experience or whatever. And it's been, it's been our goal to give people a very different experience in our next game for sure. So hopefully people will like what we've done 
and, you know, get a kick out of it and it'll be entertaining for a long period of time. That's always the goal. I'm just going to speak out loud. You don't have to react. You can talk to yourself, but I always wonder if COVID-19 didn't happen and we weren't in isolation and we were manufacturing and shows like TPF happened or Pintastic or any other show, certainly Replay FX, I wonder how many other games we would have seen by now. That's a good question. I, I will say you probably would not have seen ours yet, honestly. I didn't even ask, but there we go. I offered it. You wouldn't have seen ours, even though people are speculating that we're going to be at Texas and stuff like that. You know, we had no plans to unveil there. And would some other company have showed something sooner or, or anything? You know, I don't know. Obviously, American was trying to get Hot Wheels out because they, uh, they showed at the trade show in uh, Vegas. But I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I would guess that you probably would have seen you probably would have seen at least one, if not two more games, but they wouldn't have been from us because we're moving the factory. So, <laughs> Well, as always, we look forward to the next thing that you do, Kiefer. It's uh, always fun. You put so much work and so much devotion, and people are passionate about your games. Uh, I know I am. I Just to try to tackle them, too. And, you know, I even think of Pirates of the Caribbean. I know a lot of distributors are getting calls. Hey, can, can you get me on those games? So maybe, fingers crossed, hopefully we, we can see that come again. But some great games, too. Uh, by the way, I did have to give up on one of yours. Oh, no. Yes, I, I tried, I tried, I tried, and have since sold it and regret it because of COVID-19. It would have been a perfect opportunity to try and crack it. I bit the bullet and uh, moved World Poker Tour. <laughs> I wasn't even coming close on that thing. You know, it's funny because I, I thought that game at the time would be a lot easier for people to get the wizard mode on than some of the others because cause Simpsons, it's all about execution and having that perfect game where you've perfectly executed everything to get to the end of the game. On Lord of the Rings, it's a little bit of a combination of stuff. You can sit there and brute force your way to the end almost, except for the fact that you still have to destroy the ring at the end in order to get to the final mode, which I, in retrospect, you know, I'm fine with being able to brute force your way through the game, but making you kill the ring at the end was uh, a really a stroke of brilliance, I think, because your nerves are just are just through the roof when you have Valinor ready to go and you're trying to destroy the ring to start it. I just think that moment has had to have... <laughs> like, if you go watch the infamous Mark Steinman video at Papa where he's trying to get to Valinor and he drains during uh, Destroy the Ring. It's just... It's the perfect end to that video. I have one of those moments. In fact, it happened before this phone call, and it wasn't on video, but it was the first time I ever completed Alien Invasion on The Simpsons Party, and I was like, okay, I've got five balls. Been there many times, never been close, but I put two in the couch right away during ball save. I'm like, oh, okay, I got three balls here. Next shot was an itchy and scratchy. I'm like, this is really good. I got two balls here, lots of opportunities to go. Put one in auto, one ball. I'm like, this is the, I have the easiest shot to make. It took me 10 bricks, 10 <laughs> survives. I finally got it in. I'm like, okay, complete the alien. Let's check the status. Damn it. I need, yeah, I got my itchy and scratchy super jackpots, or itchy and scratchy revenge, I guess. Got comic book guy. Got auto with the, what do you call that with the reverse flippers? Springfield mystery spot. Got that. Daredevil mania is the easiest one. And I just mentioned alien. It's the main couch multi-ball 
and getting all those super jackpots so damn hard. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny because I wouldn't even normally think it would be that hard to do. But I will tell you, the last time I got there, that was the last thing I had to do, too. Probably because you'd like, well, I could get this anytime. I know I'm going to get it eventually. Um, you're just concentrating on doing all the other stuff to get to the end and kind of blowing it off a little bit. But, yeah, you really have to, to concentrate and play everything to get to the end of that game, which is, uh, I guess I never finished it back on World Poker Tour. So on World Poker Tour, you can basically brute force your way through that game, too, because, quote, all you have to do is get so many points on, you know, a lot of the different features. And, and wizard modes and multiballs and stuff count towards those features as well. But if you're not sitting there playing everything, that they're, they will be very hard to accomplish. Like a number one thing people do on that game is blow off the, the hurry up from the upper play field. If you sit there and play the hurry ups every time you get a chance, that particular goal is really easy to do. But if you don't do it and you're getting near the end and the hurry up is counting down like really fast because you've blown it off so many times that it gets significantly harder in order to accomplish that. So from a game design perspective, I feel like it definitely achieved its goal of making you play the entire game. And, and I feel like it's very achievable, especially if you concentrate on one thing at a time and doing that one thing very well. So you've done it. I've done in all my games. I've done, all of the qualifications necessary to get to the final mode. I have not always necessarily gotten to the final mode when it was written, but in every game that I've done, I have accomplished everything, you know, when it was done at the time. It's like, okay, the final mode would have been lit here, so, you know, it's doable. I mean, in World Poker Tour's case, you have to know each rule pretty well and really exploit your way, you know, through them, like, it's possible in World Poker Tour to get, you know, during the main multiball, no limit multiball, to get a 9x jackpot probably for like 18 million points, which is almost the entire requirement that you need in order to, you know, check that off your list. But people don't play the game that way. You know, they play the game and they're setting up the next thing. And you can do whatever you want, but if you're trying to get to the end of the game, you have to play each of the things and, and get to a point where you can play them well and execute on them. But if you don't, you can brute force your way and you'll probably get there eventually. Well, thanks for keeping us busy during this isolation. Appreciate it, Keith. And it's why your games sell very well. The resale value is incredible as well. And uh, we appreciate everything you do. Well, I appreciate you talking to me. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Keith. Thank you, Jeff. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at pinballprofile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. And check out our Facebook group, and please subscribe. I'm Jeff Teolis. Ah!